Welcome to the RE Podcast, the first dedicated RE podcast for students and teachers. Season 2, Episode 1, the one about life after death. My name is Louisa Jane Smith and this is the RE Podcast, the podcast for those of you who think RE is boring, which it is, and I'll prove it to you. Before I start this week's episode, I wonder if there is anyone listening who has thought about starting their own podcast. Maybe you've just thought about it for the first time as I said that sentence. Well, I could not have started this podcast without Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout makes starting a podcast really easy. You can even do it for free for the first three months to take out that risk factor. It tells you everything you have to do to start one up and will host it for you. It gives you all your statistics, how many people are listening, on what platform and where in the world. It also gives you tips on how to improve your podcast. For a newbie podcaster like me and for someone who isn't really tech savvy, Buzzsprout made the RE podcast happen. Just go to buzzsprout.com. I've put a link in the show notes and it'd be great if you could use that one if you want to start your own podcast. I wonder what you would do a podcast on. Anyway, back to the episode. This week, we are going to be exploring life after death and whether there is evidence for it. Is there life beyond this world? Do we go somewhere else when we die? If so, where? This is probably the most significant topic in RE because it is the first religious belief we have evidence for. More about that later. We will look at the beliefs from all the major religions, as well as religious and non-religious evidence for life after death. We are going to consider whether or not we have a soul. And a shout out to Penelope Smith, no relation, for requesting this episode. It seems timely to be considering this topic as we embark on a new year. But I'm also aware that this topic may be hard for some people who have recently lost someone. If you are grieving, then this may not be the right time for you to listen to this episode. But if you do listen, may it bring hope and comfort to you. Let's start with where this belief in an afterlife came from. About 100,000 years ago, humans were in the Neolithic Age, which simply means New Stone Age. For most of human history up until this point, when someone died, we didn't really do anything with the body. We might have eaten it. Cannibalism wasn't unusual or considered wrong. It was survival. Alternatively, we would have just thrown the body somewhere to be eaten by other animals. But then something happened and we started burying people. And not just burying people, but performing rituals. Rituals are religious actions which have a meaning. In these Stone Age burials, corpses would be buried in the fetal position, the position of the fetus in the womb, all curled up. They were buried with food, weapons, jewellery and sometimes family members. Also, a red powder or ochre was sprinkled over the body. How do we know this? Well, we found the graves. But why did we start doing this? The best guess is this. As we evolved as a species and our brains and intelligence evolved, we started dreaming. In these dreams, we would see people who had died. In our dreams, they were alive and doing things. We therefore came to the conclusion that there must be an afterlife. We didn't have much knowledge about our brains or imagination or memory. We were very simple animals and made simple conclusions. If people who had died were alive in our dreams, 
there must be an afterlife. As such, we thought we should probably prepare them for this next life. As there was no understanding of exactly what this other life would be like, we assumed it would be like the one before death and buried them with things that would be useful here. The fetal position was used as this was our only knowledge of starting life and the ochre represented blood which we were beginning to learn was essential to life. What is really interesting is that early primitive people who had never met and who had never communicated ended up developing similar beliefs about the afterlife. So both Aborigines and Incans developed belief around the same time, but in completely different places, one in modern-day Australia and one in modern-day Peru. But also, we can see how these early beliefs have filtered through to today's beliefs. The Aborigines believed in a place called the Land of the Dead, or Sky World. This was supposedly where a deceased person's soul went. As long as certain rituals were carried out during their life and at their death, they are thought to then be allowed to enter the Land of the Dead. They believed in resurrection, but the souls were resurrected into new bodies that lived back on Earth. You can clearly see the links between the Christian idea of resurrection and the Hindu idea of reincarnation. The Incan also strongly believed in an afterlife. They took great care in embalming and mummifying the bodies of the dead before burial. They brought gifts to the dead that they thought the dead could use in the afterlife. The Inca believed that the heavens were divided into four quarters. If a person lived a good life, they lived in the part of heaven with the sun, where there was plenty of food and drink. If they lived a bad life, they had to live in the underworld where it was cold and they only had rocks to eat. So here you can see a similar belief in the afterlife, but also a developing idea that how you live on earth impacts the kind of afterlife you will get, a common theme to all beliefs about the afterlife today. The Egyptians further developed this idea through their belief that your heart will be weighed against the weight of a feather. If your heart weighs more than the feather, it means you have lived a bad life. If it is lighter than a feather, you have a pure, good heart. Similarly, in Islam, your good and bad deeds are written in books and weighed against each other. If your good deeds outweigh your bad, your book is given to your right hand and you go to paradise. If your bad deeds outweigh your good, your book is given to your left hand and you do not go to paradise. In Christianity, Jesus told the parable of the sheep and the goats, which suggests that people who show kindness to others will go to heaven and those who don't will go to hell. Hinduism believes in karma and that the karma you accrue in your life determines how you are reborn. So, is belief in the afterlife a way of making us behave in the same way as Father Christmas is used to get children to behave? Or is belief in an afterlife just a psychological crutch to make us feel better when someone dies or to counter the fear we have about our own death? Or are these beliefs in existence because they link to some sort of reality? Let's first consider the soul. The soul is believed to be the eternal part of us, the part of us that does not die when our physical bodies do. Most religions have some sort of understanding of a soul. In Islam, ensoulment happens when a fetus is 120 days old. Some say 40 days, as that is when the fetus makes voluntary movements. Ensoulment is when a human is given a soul. Christians mainly believe ensoulment happens at conception, when an egg is fertilised. 
In the book of Genesis, it says that God breathed life into Adam. This is generally believed to be when Adam was given a soul. As such, a Christian understanding of a soul is that it is something given to humans by God and is the thing that animates our bodies, that gives us life. It is also something which isn't given to animals in the Bible. So many Christians believe that this is what it means to be made in the image of God, that we have God's breath in us, and therefore there is an eternal part to us. Hindus believe that souls move from one body to the next. A soul inhabits a body. When the body dies, it is transferred to a new body. Depending on how much good or bad karma each soul has determines what sort of body they are given. This cycle of birth, death and rebirth is called samsara. During your life, you complete actions. Good actions give you good karma and therefore a favourable rebirth. Bad actions give you bad karma, a poor rebirth. When you have lived a perfect life, then your soul is released from this constant cycle, from the samsara. This release is called moksha, and you return to the ultimate being, to Brahman. Sikhs have an almost identical belief to this. Buddhists have a similar idea, but as they do not believe that anything lasts forever, this belief is called anatta, the idea of a soul doesn't quite fit. They certainly believe that your actions have consequences, and this they do call karma, but it is more about if you eat too much, you will put on weight, or if you are horrible to someone, it will make them sad. If you hit a ball with a snooker cue, it will move forward. It is therefore much more about cause and effect. In terms of a soul, they explain it as the flame on a candle, and when it is about to run out of wick, the flame is passed to a new candle. Right. So there are lots of different religious beliefs about a soul, but is there any evidence that one exists? Before we explore this, let me get a little bit deep with you. There are people called materialists. Materialists believe that we are just physical, we are just a body. There is no soul, there is no permanent self. Dualists, on the other hand, believe we have a body and a soul, but they are separated at death. The body dies the soul continues to the afterlife. Non-dualists believe that there is a body and a soul, but they are not separate. They are part of the same thing, you. Therefore, at death, both body and soul continues into the afterlife together. What do you think? Do you think there is a soul, or are we just body? Do you think there is a separate body and soul, and therefore when your body dies, your soul continues to the afterlife? Or do you believe that you have a body and soul, but they can't be separated, so either both die or both continue to the afterlife? So is there any evidence of a soul? In 1907, a physician from America conducted an experiment to see if souls weigh anything. Duncan McDougall took six patients who were dying. He weighed them before death and then again after death. One of these patients lost 21 grams. While this experiment is massively flawed, partly due to the small sample size, partly because it only happened to one person, and partly because there could be other explanations, your body excretes bodily fluids at death, McDougall's experiment popularised the concept that the soul has mass, and specifically that it weighs 21 grams. Did you know it is still a common practice in hospitals today to open a window when someone dies to let their souls out? 
I can't help thinking that souls can probably move through walls if they are non-physical. Anyway, let's get into evidence for an afterlife. Many people have something which we call near-death experiences or NDEs. Before we explore this, we need to realise that there are actually two types of death, clinical death and brain death. Clinical death is when your heart stops. Some people can come back to life after their heart has stopped. Essentially, their heart restarts again. You would have seen this in films many times where the heart stops and they perform CPR to restart the heart. But then there is brain death. This is when there is no more brain function. You cannot come back to life after this has happened. However, many people in different places, from different cultures, from different decades, have had similar experience after clinical death. This is when they are near death. They are in a tunnel and feel that they are walking towards a bright light and often they can look down on their own body. These people have often recognised that if they walk towards the light, they will be dead and so have pulled away from the light but remember this experience when their heart restarts. For them, this is clear evidence that there is life after death. However, I have had a theory for a few years now that if you stop breathing, your brain will become starved of oxygen. After a prolonged absence of oxygen, there will be brain death. Let's consider the impact on a brain while it is being starved of oxygen, but before it totally dies. Your brain is a series of electrical currents moving around using neural pathways and is powered by oxygen. Where there is a lack of oxygen, your brain cells will start to die. Your neural pathways will start to erode. The electrical currents will short circuit. Could this possibly cause you to see bright lights or have tunnel vision or maybe have a series of memories flood back to you? But what about the out-of-body experience? I remember once when I was a child. It was a Saturday, but my parents were at work, so I was with my grandparents, but I was really ill, lying on their sofa. I kept experiencing the sensation of floating above my body. It was just because I had a temperature, but it seems as though near-death experiences could have a scientific explanation. I am not a scientist, and so what I am suggesting may not be a scientific counter-argument to near-death experiences. But it is interesting. There is work currently being done by experts into the presence of DMT on the brain in birth and in death. DMT is a naturally occurring chemical that helps your body through stressful occurrences like birth and death. It could possibly make sense that as our brains work the same, people will have similar experiences in similar circumstances. But what do you think? Do you think near-death experiences are evidence of an afterlife? The people who have them certainly do. Or do you think there is a scientific explanation for them? I've put an article from Scientific American on clues found in understanding near-death experiences if you'd like to find out a little bit more about this. Let's now look at evidence for reincarnation. Some people believe that anyone who is a genius is evidence of reincarnation as they have had previous lives in order to perfect that skill. Consider Beethoven, who performed his first composition aged just seven. Or 10-year-old Nadab Gill, who can answer 196 multiplication and division questions correctly in one minute. 
That's more than three correct answers per second. But one of my favourite stories which gives evidence for reincarnation is the story of the boy who lived before. This is the story about a little boy called Cameron who from the moment he started speaking could remember his previous life on the island of Barra, an island off the coast of Scotland. As his language developed, the story became more detailed but always consistent. There's actually a documentary about him being taken to the island of Barra to see if his story checks out. I'm not going to tell you the ending. I'll put a link in the show notes and you can see for yourself. Right now, I'm going to talk to you about the laws of thermodynamics. I know this sounds really complicated and boring, right? I am not a scientist and I was terrible at science when I was a teenager. So if I can understand this, I have complete faith that you will too. Obviously, there are laws in science. Water boils at 100 degrees, the law of gravity, these things we know. One of these sets of laws are the laws of thermodynamics. There are only three of them, so they are called the three laws of thermodynamics. And we are only interested in the first one for the purpose of this episode. The first law of thermodynamics says that energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be transferred. Stay with me. Let's put this a bit more simply. If a plant dies, it decomposes into the soil and then you can use that soil to grow more plants. The energy of the first plant doesn't disappear into thin air. It is reused in a different state. When you eat food, the food doesn't disappear. It gets transferred into energy that you use to walk or think or breathe. If this is a law of science, then when a person dies, they don't just disappear. Their energy must get transferred to something else. So could this be life after death? There are other non-religious arguments for life after death too. I have two children. I have given them life, my genetic codes and memories. So when I die, they will continue. In this way, is there life after my death? I have also taught over 6,000 students in my career. If only 1% of those remember something I have said and pass it on, or pass a GCSE that helps them get a job where they meet someone and have children, we are all connected. So therefore, a part of who we are will remain when we die. Even this podcast will still exist when I no longer do. I want to now make a link to an idea that I've mentioned before. Who remembers Pascal's wager? an idea put forward by a French philosopher called Blaise Pascal. He said that if you believe in God and you're correct, you're all good. If you believe in God and you're wrong, you'll still be okay. If you don't believe in God and you're right, there is no God, you're all good. But if you don't believe in God and you're wrong, there is a God, then you're kind of screwed. So maybe it's the same with an afterlife. Living with the belief of an afterlife can only really have positive outcomes. It gives you hope. It helps you consider the way you live your life. If how you live on earth impacts the kind of afterlife you will have, then you will try and live a good life. If you're wrong, then it doesn't matter as you can look back on your life and know that you've lived a good one. I think that would be a real comfort in that moment. No one wants to get to the end of their life and feel regret. There are lots of websites online with advice from people who are dying, and there are some common themes, so let me summarise some of them. 1. Show people that you love them. 2. 
Family is important, even if they're not perfect. Three, don't keep secrets, but do protect your privacy. Four, some suffering is unavoidable, but some is caused by ourselves. Stop the suffering that is within your power. Five, don't pity people. Six, you will only regret the things you have done that hurt others, never being hurt yourself. Seven, your physical appearance is not important. You were always beautiful enough. Eight, you will never wish you had worked harder, only that you'd worked doing something you love. Nine, with money, you will only regret not leaving enough for your family. Ten, travel. Eleven, learn a language. Twelve, don't stay in bad relationships. Thirteen, use sunscreen. Fourteen, see live music. Fifteen, don't let fear stop you achieving your dreams. Sixteen, you are not your gender. Seventeen, get out of your head and be in the moment. Eighteen, don't worry about what people think of you. Most people aren't thinking of you. Nineteen, don't worry. Twenty, forgive yourself and forgive others. Twenty-one, look after your teeth. 22. Don't create drama. 23. Be thankful. To summarise, whatever you believe about life after death, maybe we can all believe in life before death. But I wonder what your thoughts are. Do you believe in life after death? If so, what form do you think it, or you, will take? Does it matter how we live our life on earth? Will this impact our afterlife? If not, why not? Do you believe in a soul? If so, what happens to it when our body dies? Or maybe you have an idea for an episode you would like to hear on the RE podcast. I would love to hear from you, so please find me on Twitter at the RE podcast one, or on Instagram, the RE podcast, or go to my website, www.therepodcast.co.uk. My name is Louisa Jane Smith and this has been the RE Podcast. The podcast for those of you who think RE is boring, which it is. I have just proved it to you. But thank you so much for letting me bore the life out of you.